Thanks, Jim. Whew. Turn me down. I'm hot. I'm hot, honey. All right, we are continuing uh, our Kingdom of God series. To this morning, we're going to be talking about power and authority. Uh, you can say a prayer for my family. We leave this next week uh, to go to Sadie's wedding in Tennessee. And so uh, our brother, Mike Duffield, Lord willing, will be bringing us our lesson. And then we should be back with you here. So we're looking forward to that. If you're visiting, we're really glad that you're here with us today. Whether you're in this auditorium or listening through headphones or on the car radio out in the parking lot, you are most welcome. So last week we had Mother's Day, but the week before that we were talking about God's project with humanity. What's he doing with us? What's he up to with us? Why does he partner with us? What is he hoping to get out of it? Um, and we talked about how one of the things that he's really interested in is the person you are becoming, the kind of character you are developing. He wants our character to develop to the point so that we can be safe to utilize the power and resources of his kingdom. And I think we are meant to utilize these resources of his kingdom even now in this life, at least to a degree. Uh, but using kingdom power and kingdom authority, it is no small thing. It takes tremendous character to use these things in a way that it doesn't harm ourselves or others. Um, it takes humility. It takes faith. Uh, you, you know, it take, you understand this, don't you? It takes power to be right about something and not harm other people with your knowledge about being right about something. Um, by God's grace, with our greatest efforts, we do have a part to play in this, and we have efforts to make, and by the help of the Holy Spirit, we need to be transformed and become the children of light, children of light in truth, uh, where we reflect the image of Christ to the point that we become a light in this dark world a light to the people around us, a light to our neighborhood, our families, our community. And to become a light of the world, you got to go beyond just the surface. you got to get to the heart of things. It's a righteousness that goes beyond the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees. The scribes and Pharisees had a righteousness that was based on external actions, and uh, we move beyond that to the righteousness of God, which is a righteousness of full surrender of our, our total lives and our full heart, our total allegiance, unconditional surrender. And when we become a light of the world, we, become, we are restored to the intent that God had for human beings before the fall, uh, which is you were created to be in 
a working relationship together with God and to undertake responsibilities that he gives you. Uh, It's that commission that he gives humanity before sin entered and messed everything up where we subdue things, where we have dominion over things. We are caretakers. We are managers. We, uh, we reign together with Him. In partnership with God, we work with His power and under His authority. Well, I want to talk some this morning about what our role is in this. What is our part in inviting the power of the kingdom to flow into our lives. Because uh, sometimes we just like, we don't really have a part. God either is going to do it or not. And it's kind of like we're waiting for this divine whammy to just come out of heaven. And, you know, that's about how we look for it. It's either going to show up or it's not. And we don't make time and effort. And think about our role in uh, connecting to, using, utilizing the power and the authority of God's kingdom. Because, I mean, it's true that when you understand this, it's not, I'm not talking about works-based righteousness here. When you understand what it is that God does for us, you come to learn that it's all grace. It's all grace. That any of us are here this morning why you get the next breath and why you get the next five breaths. It's all grace. But grace, it's not opposed to effort. God expects us to move. God expects us to search for him. God, he wants to be sought. He wants to be found by us. He wants us to struggle a little bit in our search. It's struggle a little bit in this life so that our character grows to the point that when we actually find God, that we will stop hiding ourselves from Him. You see, if I have a marathon to run, not that I've ever run a marathon, but a few of you out there have, like Roy Gottsman in his (laughs) mid-70s, If you have a marathon to run, I don't make a 12-pack of beer and two bags of potato chips in front of the TV my daily portion. I eat other things. I give myself to other disciplines. Uh, I train in other ways so that I learn discipline. You see, you and I have a part to play, a part that God is not going to do for you. He's put you in your place, and he expects you to become and grow into the person you and him dream about together. You have to choose it. You know that scripture that says, ask and it will be given unto you. You know that scripture? Ask, and it will be given unto you. What if you don't care enough to even ask? Seek and ye shall find. But what if you're not bothering to seek? Knock and the door will be. What if you're not knocking on the door? 
I don't need to knock on his door. He's busy anyway, probably. Even if I did knock, he probably won't show up. I've got this. Thanks anyway. Is it really become that bad that I need to knock on his door? Oh, he's probably not home. The writer of Hebrews says this, Without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. How are we supposed to seek him? Earnestly. We have to go for it. That means we make plans, we train, we have a strategy. Think about the discipline and practice it takes to learn how to play an instrument well. Uh, It takes practice. Uh, We have a music teacher here who helps little kids learn how to practice because they're not going to play whatever by Bach or Beethoven or Chopin or whatever on the first go. There's a process that has to be gone through. Or think about a sport. What does it take to play a sport reasonably well? You got to do it. It takes some time. It takes some discipline. It takes some work. But for some reason, most people don't think to invest in spiritual matters with that kind of intentionality, with that kind of discipline, with that kind of commitment. We just show up Sunday mornings. We're kind of floating in and we're floating out. And I might get a bumper sticker kind of slogan thing to help me have positive thoughts. And otherwise, I'm just living my own selfish, narcissistic dream with a little Jesus sprinkled on it. Well, to allow the kingdom of God and its power to flow into our lives, we have to become the children of light. Not just in word, but in truth. We become a light of the world. Our character needs to be transformed to the point that when, Jesus, when people look at us, they think of Jesus. They're attracted to Jesus and his spirit living in us. We're transformed to the point where we become safe for people, safe for ourselves, safe for our family. Significant transformation. So we, to become the children of light, we're constantly seeking, we're constantly growing, we're constantly cultivating, we're sharing, we're receiving, we're, we're celebrating all of these fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things that we can have without limit because there is no law against how much of these things you can have. We live a life that just goes for it with these things. And as we seek the Lord, we seek to cling to Christ, we begin to reflect Him and His character more clearly. We become children of the light. Well, this is beyond an external righteousness. And this is a righteousness of the heart. 
when it's in our hearts and in our habits. You know, righteousness can get into your bones the same way vices get into, our bad habits can get into your life. You can put good habits in those places where instead of road rage issues, I had the sky, I had road rage with me coming back from the men's day yesterday and uh, kind of took my took me back and he was like I I don't I still don't even know what I did big white truck just angry who knows the situation in his life there was a time where that really would have upset me but I turned that into a trigger for prayer I said a couple words to my dad who was sitting there and then I just kind of prayed about it and I let it go and I moved on habits of righteousness we can put them in place of bad habits like anger like lust, like other things, so that it gets, it gets so into our hearts that right actions move out of our hearts. You don't have to ask me to serve. I see a need, and I go and I serve. You don't have to ask me for the right thing to do, because the right thing, it's gotten in my bones. It's a part of my habit. Well, those are a couple things that I think need to happen for the kingdom, the power of the kingdom to flow into our lives. What are some other ones? Mark 11, 23, 22 and 23, Jesus says this, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. How many of you have faith like that? I, I don't know that I'm quite there in the depths of my, my honesty. Actually, I got a long way to go. In my best moments my best moments, it's just like, I, I, I think, boy, there's something here. This is, there's some reality here. This is better than I was expecting. This is more than I had hoped for. This is, but that's a level of faith, and faith is necessary for us uh, to make contact with the power of the kingdom of God. So we can add faith to our list. And we don't always clearly understand, what is faith? Well, it's, it's trying to believe stuff we really don't believe. No, that's, that's not what faith is. Faith is trust. Faith is a willingness to lay it all on the line for Jesus Christ and the sake of his kingdom. Faith moves us into the reality of God and his kingdom. And without faith, you cannot touch that power. So a little story about this from Mark chapter 6. When Jesus goes to his hometown, what happens when he goes home? Jesus left there and went to his hometown, hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? 
that he even does miracles. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here together with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there. Their offense at him was somehow to the point that it defeated the miracles that he desired to do for them. He could not, it says, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Amazed at their lack of faith. Their lack of faith had stopped the miracles of God from flowing into their lives. The power of the kingdom coming into their life situations there. They're so busy being offended at him and by him that they miss out on all that Christ desires to give them and offers to them. And so there's a correlation between faith and the power of God in our lives. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus is ever amazed at the lack of faith in his church today. A lot of Christians who have retreated into blatant naturalism, a deistic and distant God who never interacts with or intervenes with his creation. He just kind of winds up this universe, sets it loose, doesn't really care, isn't particularly invested. You see, either the, the, either the universe is open or it's a closed system. Uh, if it's an open system where God who created everything can intervene, see, the laws of physics are nothing more than the intent and power and desire of God moment by moment. But if it's all just closed, it's all just chance, random, you don't really have a purpose. You see, there's a tension here that we live in as Christians. We don't seem to see the manifestation of all the kinds of power that we read about in our New Testament. That, the early, that Jesus and the early disciples, the twelve, and then bigger groups than the twelve, are the miracles that they're doing and we're, they're working and we try to make sense of that. And yet we can't quite let go of it all. Because if there is no resurrection, if there's no miracles, that means Jesus was never raised. And if Jesus was never raised, Paul says, we are to be pitied more than anyone else. And you know, there, there's dangers on the other side, too. We don't have to pretend anything. We don't have to pretend anything. 
But we live in a world where there are religious conmen and charlatans. And I don't know the intents there. Sometimes attention, fame, money, reasons I don't know. They claim to produce the works of God. And in their claims and in their pretending, they harm other people's faith in the process many times. But the kind of faith that it takes to make the power of God's kingdom flow, it's not wishy-washy, it's not flimsy, it's not fickle, it's not half-hearted. See, a lot of us have taken this stance where we're just like, okay, show me something, Lord, and then I'll move. And your heart has defeated you from the power of God before the battle has even begun. The kind of faith that takes that it takes to make the power of God's kingdom flow into our lives, it's desperate. It's tenacious. It's a kind of faith that will not take no for an answer. Another story from Mark's Gospel. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many, not a few, many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. Do you know this story? What does he do? What do you do when many people are rebuking you, telling you to be quiet? I don't want to hear about your, this Christianity thing. I don't want to know about your church. I don't want to know about your Savior. This man is desperate. This man does not take no for an answer. He is not willing to be shushed. Shh! Do everything peaceably and in order. His reply, his reply, he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing the cloak aside, he jumped to his feet. Kind of dangerous thing to, for a blind guy to throw his cloak to the side. See that kind of desperate faith? He hears that Jesus of Nazareth is coming and he knows this is my shot. I don't care what those other people are saying. This is my shot. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your Faith has, has healed you. What healed him? 
And immediately he received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. Do you see the kind of faith that gets God's attention? The level of tenacity, the level of trust? It's the kind of faith that when the people around you are telling you to shut up, you won't take no for an answer. You scream out even louder. It's the kind of faith that makes a Roman centurion say, you don't even have to come, just say the word and it'll be so. It's the kind of faith that is so desperate that it makes a foreign woman say to a Jewish rabbi, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. It's the kind of faith that rips the roof off of buildings in order to lower their friend in because they know this guy can do something about it. This is my chance to, make a sh- to take a shot. This is our shot It's the kind of faith that has a woman crawling through a crowd thinking, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Does your heart feel that kind of faith? Desperate faith, tenacious faith, faith that does not give up. Another thing we need to do to contact the power and the authority of God's kingdom, we need to let go of unforgiveness. Some of us have a few years in this building, some of us have long memories. And we hold some resentments and we hold some unforgiveness. Maybe not in words. As long as we can help it, we try to hide those words. But it's there in our hearts. It's not like we're we're fooling God. Living in a state of forgiveness and peace with your fellow man, it's an indispensable condition of interacting with God's kingdom and power. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart, it will defeat you from using the power of the kingdom of God. I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. Forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Another one is secret sins, secret or habitual sins that we hide, that we never confess. They will keep us from the power of God's kingdom. But when you take those secret sins and you bring the light to them, the power of God flows in. So I, like in my own life, I held really close, as a guy who struggled with lust in my life, I held that close. That information was not safe for anyone. 
And when I finally found a safe group and was able to confess some of those things, in that confession, it, the power those habitual sins had over me, they're cut in half in that moment. That is the power of confession. And you put that together with a heart that constantly wants to repent because you want Jesus Christ more than anything else. It connects us to power. Power for our lives to change. Power of, of the heart. Because we want Christ's heart more than anything else. Willful rebellion, habitual sin, they disconnect us from those kingdom resources. This is why confession and repentance are so important for us. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. The healing and the confession, they go hand in hand. That confession opens the door for that power. A manifestation of the kingdom of God is the healing to come and take place. And another simple little one from James. James, I love James. He's got like a sentence, and it's just like, it blows my mind, this sentence. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's like turning the faucet for the power of the kingdom of God on and off. Off switch, pride. On switch, humility. You're a humble enough person. The power of God flows into our lives because we trust God to work good on our behalf and take care of our circumstances. I'm not saying we don't have jobs to do and roles to play, but we trust God so that in those same circumstances, we don't hold them the same way in fear and anger and anxiety. If I don't do this, Perseverance, patiently keeping at it. Luke 18, it's Jesus telling a parable, trying to teach them that they should always pray and not give up. Oh, he's not home. I knocked twice. See, he's not home. The kind of faith that won't take no for an answer. I think that Jesus intends that his disciples, that they should participate in the power and the authority of God's kingdom. I'm not promising that you're going to walk on water or raise people from the dead or anything like that. I've not walked on water. I've not raised anyone from the dead in case you're wondering about that one. (laughs) But I think about my own heart and I think 
Why do I not experience of much, as much of the power and authority of God as I would like in my life circumstances and situations? And I think the biggest problem a lot of times is not God's heart, but my own. My own. My own habitual sin. My own unwillingness to confess and repent. My own lack of patience and perseverance and giving in and giving up. A righteousness that is satisfied with doing the thing on the outside and cleaning the outside of the cup that doesn't touch my heart. Well, I'll just let Jesus be the light of the world. It says he's the light of the world. I can't be a light of the world. That's too much. I got too many things to do. Jesus gives us certain things. In Luke chapter 9, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. God, I think he wants to share these things with us. Well, how do you know that? That's, he's talking about the 12. Well, in chapter 10, it's not the 12. It's 72 then, at that point, that are going out and they're working the power of God's kingdom. And this is just the beginning. This is still with Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And we see what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into the lives of ordinary disciples, ordinary men and women who want him more than anything else and they go for it. This word power, dunamis, it means the ability to do something. If you want the abilities of God's kingdom to come into your life, to help with your circumstances, to help you become the kind of person who loves well and loves the people around you, who's not given in to just selfishness. You got to make plans. You got to work at it. You got to invest in it. We've got to go for it, brothers and sisters. This church is going to, it's going to thrive and flourish or eventually we're going to have to close the doors and we're done and this culture wins and But if our character, to I don't care how many people are here. I care very much about what you and God are doing to grow in character and become the kind of person he desires you to be. And if we get just a handful of people who are willing to be more than a church spectator, you're not sitting around waiting for permission. You're finding good works and you're going and doing them. God is going to change this community. God is going to change this church. We have a part to play. We have a crucial part to play. See, Christianity, it's not a spectator sport. 
Calvin doesn't stand up here and do it for you. There is real power available to us in Christ. Real power to change our hearts, to change our lives. And at times I think it's miraculous. And I'm not talking about a health and wealth gospel. I'm talking about you becoming a living sacrifice. That's the kind of miracle I'm talking about. A living sacrifice. That you just, in truth, become a light to the world around you. Partnering together with God to bring His power and His authority into His light into a world of darkness. One final story about faith, and then we'll be done. Mark's got some great stories about faith. This is from Mark chapter 5. Tells the story of this woman who suffered from this flow of blood for 12 years. Says that she spent her life savings trying to get doctors to fix things. And instead of fixing things, it only made things worse. And she hears about Jesus... And she worms her way through a crowd of people just to be able to touch him. Coming up behind him to just touch his clothes. Maybe even just the hem of his garment. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. It's all it'll take. And she does it, and this is what it says. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out for him. That's the same word in Greek, dunamis, from Luke chapter 9, the power and authority of the kingdom. He realized that ability, that virtue had flown out of him. And he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see, the people were crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. To see who had done it. See, Jesus' disciples, they think, what? you're crazy. What are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean? Well, there are touches, and there are touches. In our churches, we have multitudes of people crowding around Jesus, but they aren't touching him because they're not desperate. But when you get desperate, you won't be shushed. You won't take no for an answer. You get God's attention. For my friend Dallas Willard, we have multitudes of people who are spectators. They are connoisseurs of opinions. 
They love to think nice thoughts and to test the truth of these thoughts. They are doctrinally correct. There is not a hair out of place. But they have never touched Jesus. And Jesus says, who touched me? Who touched me? Because he felt dunamis. He felt power. He felt ability flow out from him. See, Jesus knew that the finger of faith had touched him. And so this lady, she confesses, she comes. She's found out. She's shaking. She's scared. She tells him everything. And he says this, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus knew that the finger of faith had touched him and it made the power of the kingdom of God flow. I can't promise you God's part, but I can encourage you to look at your place and do your part. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find and knock and the door will be open. So that's our invitation. We always have an invitation to, uh, if you need the prayers of this church or uh, to put the Lord on in baptism, uh, to begin this journey of discipleship together with the Lord, you have that opportunity. But our invitation from this lesson is also this. Consider your strategy for growing into the kind of person that can safely use kingdom power and kingdom authority. Because the things that the Lord desires to give to share with us, I think it's mind-boggling if we could understand it all. And that's an invitation for us. Look at your own heart. Begin to make steps. Go after it with that kind of tenacious faith like we read about from blind Bartimaeus or the woman with the flow of blood, these stories of faith we read about in Mark's gospel. Let's stand and sing together. Wandering from the fold of God, hear you not the invitation. Oh, prepare to meet thy God, careless soul. Oh, heed the warning, for your life will soon be gone.